ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some an hundred. He said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they were about him with the twelve, asked of him the parable. He said unto them, Woe unto you, it is given to know the, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, when, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some in hundred. And I'm preaching today on this subject, what is the good ground? What is the good ground that we just read about? I want to really get this in your mind today, so I want us to go back and I want us to read verses 8 and I want us to read verses 20 together. Luke, uh, Mark, Mark chapter 4, verse number 8. Let's read that one first. Ready? And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some 100. Now I want you to look at verse number 20 and let's read that together. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now, I don't know about y'all. Man, I want to know what that good ground is. Yeah. I mean, I'm not interested in getting choked out by thorns right. or springing up for a little while and then just being scorched by the sun and drying, drying up. Man, I want to know what that good ground is all about. That's where I want to be. I don't know about y'all, man. I, I hope I've got a church full of people who want to be on that good ground. Oh, yeah. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. What is the good ground? You may be seated this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the uh, opportunity, the freedom we have in America to do what we're doing right now, to be, to be in the Lord's house. And thank you, Lord, for the wonderful morning that you've given us. And thank you for this great crowd that's here today, good spirit here today. We thank you for that. We're, we are sorry about those that are under the weather. But I pray that you touch them and heal them. 
And I pray that you'd bring them back to us. Maybe even tonight some would be feeling better and you'd bring them back for the service tonight. But God, we pray now as we come to this most important time of the service, Father, the best we know how, we plead the blood of Jesus over this time of preaching and teaching. And God, I pray that in Jesus' holy name that you would not allow, please, that you would not allow the devil, the powers of darkness to take away from this time God, I pray that you'd keep him out. Pray you'd keep the distractions out. And God, I pray that you'd keep your blessings within. And I pray that we'd hear something that would help us to be, Lord, better Christians than we were when we entered earlier this morning. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray you'd give our people power to hear and to learn. And so help us, please. We pray so much, Lord, that you'd save any that don't know for sure they're on their way to heaven. God, if there's one that's that's held up between heaven and hell right now and they're not sure where they're, where they're going. I pray today they'll come to know Christ as their personal Savior. Help us, Lord. Give us the attention of your folks, please. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen and amen. We notice here in Mark chapter four that Jesus is speaking what the Bible calls a parable, a parable. And what is a parable? Well, uh, a parable is a earthly story with a spiritual meaning or a heavenly meaning. I'm glad that Jesus used illustrations. I love to use illustrations. And I'm glad that the Lord Jesus often used illustrations. So we would call this, in our day and time, we would call this a visual, a visual illustration. I'll use a, a visual illustration here in just a moment. I'll use some visual illustrations in the service tonight. But Jesus is using a, a visual. He's trying to get on the, their, their level and he's trying to, uh, he's trying to speak, but he's trying to paint a picture here, so something that they can relate to. And so uh, Jesus speaks of a sower that went out to sow. Well, you may or may not have a garden. We've got several people in our church that have gardens. You may or not have a garden, but back in that day, a lot of folk had a garden because that's the only way they ate. And so they understood what it meant to plow the ground. They understood what it meant to turn the soil. They, they understood what it meant to, to, to load up a, a sack of seeds and go out and scatter the seeds. And so Jesus begins to tell this story about a sower that had some seed and he went out and began to sow. And of course, of course, the people, they can relate to that. They, they knew that. They saw that many times. They'd done it many times. And, and so he speaks of a sower that, that went out to sow. And it's interesting in the story we notice that some of the seed fell in places and quite honestly never brought forth any fruit. In fact, as far as we can tell, that seed itself just sort of died. But then we notice that some fell on good ground and produced not just fruit, but produced amazing fruit. Now, I'm glad to say this. We know that the seed is the word of God. We, we, you notice there, Mark chapter four, verse 14. The Bible says the sower soweth the what? What he sow? He sowed the word. He sowed the word. The sower uh, soweth the word. And so we know that uh, the seed here is the word of God. And I want to park here. And I want to stop just a moment. I want to say thank God for the seed. Amen. Thank God for the word of God. Thank God for the word of God. Now I know, I know it don't mean a whole lot to some of you here this morning, but but you know what? You know why that is? It's because you've always grown up around it. You've always grown up, you know, and you've had Bibles in your house and Bibles in the car and you know what? You've always seen people carrying Bibles. And, and uh, the truth of the matter is, the reason that the Word of God doesn't mean a whole lot to us is because we sort of take it for granted. Uh, and, uh, but I, I guarantee you this, uh, if you had grown up in Cuba 
or you had grown up in the Sudan, or you had grown up in Saudi Arabia, or you had grown up in Afghanistan, or, or somewhere like that, I guarantee you the Word of God would mean a whole lot more to you today than it means to you right now. I showed a video sometime back of, of some Chinese people who, for the very first time, every time I watch that video, it does something to me. And uh, for the very first time, they received a copy of the Word of God. By the way, it didn't look like a very expensive copy. It didn't look like a, you know, it, it probably probably didn't cost a whole lot. I don't know that it was leather bound. It may have been just a paper cover, but I know this. We watched that video as those Chinese people took that Bible and they clutched it to their chest and they wept and they cried because and by the way, I'm talking about I'm talking about people in their 20s and 30s and 40s who had never had a copy of the word of God. They never touched a Bible, never saw a Bible. And I'm just I'm just saying this, man. Listen, we don't even know how blessed we are, brother. I mean, we are we've got it so good in America that we begin to take it for granted. And I don't want to stop and just say, man, thank God for the word of God today. Man, what a blessing. What a blessing the seed is. Alice Mortensen said it like this, if I should live a thousand years and search it every day, the precious word of God would still shed light upon my way. Should every other earthly thing be severed from my grasp. I pray that I may ever hold my Bible till the last. And someday when he calls me home and I at last can look upon his face, I'll want to kneel and thank him for his book. Man, thank God for the word of God. Amen. And you know what? When the Democratic Party's gone, the word of God will still be here. And the Republican Party's gone, you know what? The word of God will still be here. And when the world is all, when the world is all gone, I'm glad to tell you the word of God will still be here. It'll still be here. And I'm thankful for the seed this morning. And we know that the seed here is the word of God. We also know this. We know that the seed is able to produce amazing results. It's able to produce amazing results. Now look at it again, if you will. Mark chapter four and verse number 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the, what do they hear? They hear the word, such as hear the word and receive it. Look what happens to it. And bring forth fruit, some 30-fold and some 60 and some an 100. Uh, man, we find out that the word of God is able to produce amazing results. Same chapter, Mark chapter four, look at verse number 30. And I used this in our retreat this year. Mark chapter four and verse 30. The Bible says, and he said, whereunto shall he liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Brother, I'm telling you what. Uh, listen, there is power in this seed right here. There's, I'm talking about the King James Bible. There's power in the word of God. I'm telling you what, brother, it'll change your life. And where AA may come up short, the word of God never comes up short. Amen. You know what? I'm just going to have a good old time today. I just got, man, I got so much preaching in me this morning. I can't stand it. See, I'll just hold on today because we're, 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 we're in store for today. Amen. I'm just telling you. 
And sometimes I say, man, you need to calm down a little bit, but I just think I'm ruined. I don't think I can. I mean, somewhere along the line, the cruise control got stuck and I just can't get it unstuck. And, and, uh, and you're just going to have to endure it until we get to heaven one day. And, and, uh, and then when we get to heaven, God's going God's gonna to spray ether on it. Amen. I mean, he's going to have steroids and, and it's going to be that much worse. And, uh, and uh, man, I'm so thankful for the word of God. And brother, where Narconics Anonymous comes up short, I'm glad the word of God doesn't come up short. I'm just all, this is all I'm saying, brother. Listen, where the narcotics come up short, I'm glad the Bible can make a result. I'm glad that the Bible can make a drunkard sober. I'm glad the Bible can clean a drug addict, make a, a drug addict clean. I'm glad that he can take you out of the mire and put you in the choir. I'm telling you, hey, I know. Maybe you think I'm just a little overzealous this morning, but I'm telling you, brother, there is something about this book this morning, the Word of God. And I'm so thankful for the word of God. Man, we know the seed here can produce amazing results, but listen to me now. Listen to me, church. But here's my question. If that be the case, why doesn't the seed produce great results in every life? If that's the case, if this book is so powerful, and it is, if this book is inspired, and it is, if this book is perfect, and it is, if this book is tried and tested, and it is, and it can produce amazing fruit, then here's my question. Why does it not bear that kind of fruit in every single life? Man, that's something I've battled with for, for all these years. What do you mean, preacher? Well, why is it that so many Christians never make it? Why do some never produce never grow, never seem to become faithful. Y'all know what I'm talking about this morning? Y'all know, know, folks, uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe even you're here this morning and you're sort of struggling in that area. But they just, you know what? They, they say that they're saved. They, they say that they've trusted Christ. They say that they've received the word as far as that's, that word of salvation that has, has, has made a change, uh, has regenerated them. But yet you never see them get over the hump. You never see them seem to grow. I don't ask a question this morning, Calvary. Why are so many, if Jesus is so good and the Bible is so great, why are so many Christians falling away? I mean, just, listen, just falling by the wayside. Never, I mean, just never, uh, never going on to live that victorious Christian life that God wants you to live, by the way. You don't have to struggle the rest of your life. Hey, listen, church, y'all listening to me? You don't have to struggle the rest of your life. You don't have to flounder the rest of your life. Man, you don't have to, you don't have to live a life where strongholds are just completely pulling you down. You say, preacher, there's nothing I can do about it. Yes, you can through the power of Christ. Yes, you can do something about it. But here's my question. Why is it that some never get there? They never grow. They never excel. They never survive. They never go on to do great things for God. Well, here's the answer to that question. According to the word of God, growth is according to the ground upon which the seed falls. If it falls on bad ground, well, we notice from Mark chapter four, that seed does not seem to survive. But if it falls on good ground, it brings forth fruit. Now, 
We notice the different kinds, kinds of ground here in Mark chapter 4. For instance, we notice unprepared ground. Look, Mark 4 and verse number 4. The Bible says, and it came to pass as he sowed. Well, the Bible says some fell by the, what did it fall by? Fell by the wayside. And so this is ground that hasn't been turned. It hasn't been plowed. It hasn't been uh, fertilized. It, uh, you know what? This is ground that was really never meant to be sowed anyway. I mean, it just, uh, uh, this wasn't a place that he took time. You, you gardeners know what I'm talking about. You get your tiller out. You till up these uh, furrows and these rows and you turn the soil and you put uh, uh, water out there and fertilizer out there and all those things. And so we notice here that this is unprepared ground. Some fell by the wayside. And the Bible says the fowls uh, of the air came and devoured up. Then we notice, uh, we notice stony ground. Mark chapter four and verse number five. The Bible says, and some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. It wasn't very deep. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And of course we know that later it just uh, uh, it, uh, dissolved away. Then we notice uh, not only stony ground, but we notice thorny ground. Uh, Mark chapter four, verse number seven. The Bible says, and some fell among thorns. Uh, some of the seed went out in the briar patch. And boy, that's not a good place to... That's not a good place to grow cabbage, and that's not a good place to, to grow cucumbers out there in the briar patch. And, uh, and so some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up like they always do and choked it and yielded no fruit. We notice here that none of the seeds sown on this ground made it. But then we notice, we're going somewhere, but then we notice good ground. Mark 4, verse 8, and other fell, not on stony ground, thorny ground, or unprepared ground, but other fell on good ground and did, what's the next word? Yield. It did yield fruit and then look at this, that sprang up <laughs> and only sprang up but the Bible says and what else did he do? It increased. Man, church, we're going somewhere. It not only sprang up but increased and brought forth fruit, some 30 and some 60 and some 100 and so this seed took off. Now, here's, the, here's one of the questions. What is the ground? First of all, we know what the seed is. That's the word of God. But what is the ground? Well, the ground spoken of here in Mark chapter four is the heart. It's the heart. Now look at verse 15. Oh, mercy, stay with me, church. Verse 15, and these are they uh, by the wayside when the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in there. What's the word? Hearts. Hearts. And so the ground here is the heart. It's the heart. So if that be the case, if the seed is the word and the ground is the heart, then I got a question. What's the good ground? What is the good ground? Well, you know what? I'm glad my Bible says that we're supposed to rightly divide Scripture. And that's why you ought to compare Scripture with Scripture because you know what, man, it'll help you if you do and in the book of Luke, and I want you to take your Bibles this morning. I want you to turn over to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 8. And in, in Luke's gospel, Luke is inspired to give this same uh, story that Jesus is telling here. And Luke specifically tells us what the good ground is. All right, Luke chapter 8. And look at verse number 15. Luke chapter 8 and verse number 15. All right. Let's read it together. Ready? But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Oh my. I want to read that again. But that on the good ground are they. Okay, you got my attention, Luke. 
But, but, but that on the good ground are they, here's going to tell us, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. So good ground is an honest and good heart. Man, I, listen, I wish, I wish I could preach like Jack Howells and, and uh, Lee Robertson, and I, I can't, but I, I'm going to tell you one thing. Man, listen, if you've, if you've got any sense at all, you'll hear me out this morning. What is the good ground? The good ground is an honest and good heart. So if we're going to receive the seed of the Word of God and grow, that means our heart needs to be honest and good. Now, wait a minute now, church. That automatically tells us something. Those people who say they get saved, but they never grow, they never excel, they never live that victorious Christian life. Somebody says, wonder what the problem is. I know what the problem is. Heart problem. You see, the, the only heart problem is not open heart surgery or blocked arteries. They got some spiritual blocked arteries. They got some spiritual hardening of the arteries that's taking place. And so, according, if I understand my Bible, and I believe I do in this instance, you know what, according to the Word of God, that you know what, if somebody says they're saved, but they're not excelling as a, as a Christian, they're not growing in their Christian life, uh, according to that, the Bible says there's somewhere along the line, there is a serious heart issue somewhere. The heart is not what it's supposed to be. Why? Because the Bible says when that seed, when that seed hits good ground, you know what? Man, it springs up and increases and grows fruit. And so if you're here this morning, and I'm not going to ask uh, to raise your hand, but if I ask you this morning, how many are here this morning and you are saved, you are born again, and if you raise your hand, ask a question, are you growing? You say, well, no, preacher, I'm not. Okay, then there's a heart problem. Because the Bible says this seed, once it now falls on thorny ground, gets choked. Falls on stony ground, it dries up. Falls on unprepared ground, the birds of the air come and, and Satan comes and steals it away. But when that seed falls on good ground, preacher, squash starts growing and okra starts growing and green beans start growing and, and uh, macaroni, I mean, no, and uh, uh, you know, I just want to make sure you're listening. And uh, when that seed falls on, uh, you know, Big Macs start growing, amen. And uh, when that seed falls on good ground, you know what, automatically fruit comes. Now, what is good ground? Good ground is an honest and good heart. So here's my question this morning. How can, how can we keep our heart right? How can we make sure that our heart is honest and good so the Word of God can hit its mark and so we can grow as a child of God? How can we make sure that our heart is honest and good? Well, I want to give you several things here, all right? And I believe this will help you. Number one is this. You better understand the heart. If we're going to have a good and an honest heart, we need to understand the heart. What do you mean, Pastor? Understand that the heart is wicked if not kept in check. Now, I want you to take your Bibles this morning. I want you to turn over to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. Mercy, mercy. Listen to me now this morning. Young people, hear me out. Hear me out. I'll spare you a lot of a lot of sleepless nights. I'll help you not to have a lot of heartache. I'll help you not to have to cry your eyes out all through the night. One of these, I'm I'm trying to tell you, I'll help you if you'll let me help you this morning. You better understand the heart. 
And I want you to notice what Jeremiah tells us about the heart in Jeremiah chapter 17. Now, we normally read uh, later on down in the script, but I want us to go back up to verse number eight, Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse number eight. And I want you to notice how, how closely related what Jeremiah says is related to what Jesus says in Mark chapter four. Now, look at what he says in verse number eight. He says, for he shall be as a tree planted by the, by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh. In other words, hot weather's not gonna bother this tree. But her leaves shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall, uh, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Well, wait a minute, that's what we were talking about in Mark chapter four. Now look what Jeremiah says. All of a sudden, when he's talking about all this fruitfulness, Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And then he said, who can know it? Now look at this last part. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. So there's a direct correlation between the heart and growing in your Christian life. And Jeremiah's reminding us of something very important here. And this is what he's saying, Christian, you better, you better understand your heart. <laughs> if you're going to grow, you're going to have to have a good, honest heart. And if you're going to have a good and honest heart, you better understand this heart. And I'm not talking about this muscle right here, this pump. And I'm talking about the heart of man, that innermost man, that, the seat of the emotions, that, that thing that controls you uh, in, your, in your daily life. And Jeremiah says, you better understand something about the heart, that it's wicked. Now, I know that's not self-help preaching and that's not motivational preaching this morning, but it's true preaching. The heart is deceitful above all things, Jeremiah said, and who can know it? In other words, oh, Christian, you better be careful. Brother Rick, you better watch it. Brother Donnie, you better watch it. Man, brother Cece, uh, brother Cece, you better watch it. I mean, brother, we better, listen, I, I am a pastor now for over 26 years, but I'm telling you something, if I let my guard down for a half a second, my heart will get me. You say, wow, pastor, I am... Really? I mean, I, you mean you, you have problems sometimes with lust and you have problems sometimes with, you know, bad feelings and bad thoughts and, wow, Pastor, I'm so disappointed in you. So do you. We don't tell anybody about it because we're embarrassed of it. But Jeremiah said, you better understand this heart. It's desperately wicked. Why is, it, why is it that people have left this church, preacher, that sat in these seats right here? By the way, many of them are not even alive anymore. Have left this church out of the will of God and then sent word back and said, Pastor, I never, this is what they said, I never thought I'd ever do what I'm doing. Well, that's no surprise. You better understand something about this heart. <laughs> it's wicked, brother. <laughs> I mean, every one of us. I mean, listen, it's wicked. You better, you better understand it. What's Jeremiah saying? Jeremiah's saying, man, it has to be taken care of. Now, now think about it. Let me give you a parable. If you never take care of this heart, in other words, if you eat Big Macs every day, you know, chased by a chocolate bar and a chocolate shake uh, and two apple pies. And you, and, and that's just the in-between meal, you know. I, I mean, 
and uh, you eat anything you want to eat. You eat it anytime you want to eat it. You never exercise. Uh, I mean, you never go get a physical. You never go to the doctor. I mean, you just sit on the couch all day long and eat bonbons and watch television and listen to music and play games and and uh, and never get up and walk and never get up and work and never get up and exercise. And uh, and then a little bit later on, all of a sudden, you get this sharp pain in your heart and it goes down your arm and you're like, man, what in the world? And you go to the doctor and the doctor says, sir, you're having a heart. You know why that is? You didn't take care of this heart. And boy, how many, how many of you folks know the older you get? Boy, oh boy, oh boy. The more you got to take care of it. I mean, it'll, it'll, give, it'll, it'll give up on you, won't it? Man, you got to exercise. You got to watch what you eat. You got to eat bran. You got to take fiber. You got I mean, you know, I mean, it's just like, man. Mom and daddy told me it was coming, but I never believed them. But I'm believing it now, buddy. I'm telling you what. And uh, they, these bodies wear out. Got to take care of the heart. Now, you say, preacher, what's that got to do with anything? Got to take care of this heart too. You say, preacher, I don't know why I'm not growing. Ask a question. What you watching on TV? I can't eat Big Macs on Monday and cheeseburgers on Tuesday and, and uh, burritos on Wednesday and, and uh, uh, you know, and, and, and never exercise and hope to have a, a, a good heart physically, but I also can't just go on ABC and NBC and CBS and Fox and watch anything I want to watch and expect to be healthy spiritually. You say, Preacher, I, I, I'm saved. I know I'm saved, but I'm not growing. Ask your question. What kind of music are you listening to? What kind of music are you listening to? I'm not a prophet. I'm just a pastor. But I'm going to tell you what, brother. I'm putting my finger on the point of the problem today. I'll tell you why we're growing because, buddy, we're not caring for the heart. We're watching things we shouldn't watch. We're listening to things we shouldn't listen to. Uh, we're hanging around friends we shouldn't hang around. We're going places we shouldn't go. And, uh, and then all of a sudden we, we come to church and we say, we say uh, Pastor, could you take 25 minutes and help me grow? No. Probably can't. Can you can you go down to the YMCA for 25 minutes and work out every 25 years that make a difference? No. Now you can go down there faithfully every day and get on that treadmill and you can work out and you can swim, and you can exercise and you can diet and you can and it'll it'll begin to make a difference. And I will say this: if you'll be in church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and Sunday school and revival and conferences and and prayer meeting and and uh, that will make a difference, but that but it's got to be even more than that. Oh my goodness, this is so good. If we're gonna have, if our heart is gonna be that good ground, Jeremiah says, number one, you know what? We better understand it. But how, how about this number two? How can we keep our heart right? Number two, guard the heart. Now take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter four this morning. Proverbs chapter four. And look at verse number 20 this morning, Proverbs chapter 4, and verse number 20. Mercy, the Lord's going to help you today. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 20. Now notice what, what the writer says. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, 
Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Now look at verse number 23. He says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And then just in case, I don't think we have anybody probably, but just in case we have any naysayers about what I just preached just, just a minute ago, then he says, put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on. In other words, look at the right kind of things. And let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. Watch out where you go. Watch the places you solicit. Be careful about the things you look at, the things you listen to. Ponder the path of thy feet. Let all thy ways be established. Now, I want you to notice verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Why? Because for Adam and are the issues of life. That word diligence there uh, is a Hebrew word that means guard or guard post. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Man, act like a guard to your heart. The word keep there in verse number 23, keep is the, is the Hebrew word nasar. And I love this. It means keeper or keeping monument. Keeper or keeping monument. Now, when, I, when I, I first saw that and the Lord began to speak to my heart, I thought about this. It's called the tomb of the unknown soldier. They call it the changing of the guard. My, my family and I had the opportunity to travel to Washington, D.C. sometime back, and, and we went to Arlington Cemetery, which, by the way, is something that everybody ought to see once in their life. As you see those crosses, those hills and hills and hills of crosses there, but we walked up. We walked up to the tomb of the unknown. And, and, uh, and the interesting thing about this, about the changing of the guard and the tomb of the unknown soldier is that these, these officers, these Marines, they, they walk guard here at all times. They, they never stop. Uh, it, it is, it, and it is. It is an amazing thing to go there and to see the level of dedication. Now, I don't know if you can see this or not, but right about where that middle officer is standing there, if you, if you, if you go to the Tomb of the Unknown, you'll notice that they have marks there so much. They have a trench that's just wore out in the cement. You can see exactly where they march every single day. Now, now here's what I want you to understand. These men stay out there in all types of weather. When it's a beautiful day like today, if you went there today, they're marching. But tomorrow, if it's pouring rain and the wind is blowing, they're marching. It is amazing. You know, you know I thought of that preacher. When these guys are encouraged, they're marching. But when they're discouraged, they're marching. <laughs> they're marching. You, you, you don't be a tomb, a, a, a soldier there at the tomb of the unknown soldier and just call in for no reason at all and say, I, I'm not going to make it today. In fact, if you go back and study, you'll find out that even during times of major uh, weather problems, hurricanes, 
major hurricanes. If you went to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, these men are so dedicated that they're out there marching back and forth and guarding this tomb. Now, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, brother, that's what we have to do to our heart. If we want our heart to be good and honest and the right kind of heart, we can receive seed. We got to walk guard around our heart. People sometimes, people sometimes act a little amazed because I try to shelter the hearts, shelter my heart and my wife's heart and try to shelter the hearts of my children. And they'll say, why do y'all live like that? <laughs> because that right there. They question, you know, why do you do what you do? Why do you live the life that you live? Why don't you do whatever thing, what, 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 that everything else everybody else does? And the answer to that question is that as the daddy of the Pope home and the husband of the Pope home. I am strapped with the task of guarding my heart and I'm, I'm strapped with the task of guarding my wife's heart and I'm strapped with the task of guarding my, my children's heart. And by the way, I don't care what you think about it. And so because of that, we don't watch just anything in the Pope house. We like, we, we like an occasional ball game but when Miller comes home to start promoting, we don't watch it. We don't drink it. By the way, neither should you. When Bud Dumber comes on the screen, you say, preacher, not Bud Dumber, Bud Weiser. No, you're dumber if you drink it. And when they promote that junk on the TV screen, we don't watch it in the pump house. Why? Because I don't want my kids drinking it. I don't want my kids smoking dope. I don't want a bunch of kids that turn out to be a bunch of dope heads and a bunch of derelicts and, and paupers. And brother, I want some kids that turn out for God and a family that turns out for God. Now, wait a minute. Some of you fellas here this morning, I love you to death, but some of you guys ought to raise yourself up on your bootstraps today and say, you know what, preacher? When I walk out that door back there today, it, things are gonna change. I'm gonna be the spiritual leader of my family. We're going to watch the right kind of things. We're going to listen to the right kind of things. We're going to go to the right kind of places. We're going to live the right kind of life. Yes, sir, preacher, I'm having just a great time today. I'm telling you, brother, and if you do it, it changed your life. Amen. Walk, out here, walk out of here spineless. Walk out of here spineless like some daddies and, and you say, well, I just can't get my kids to listen to the right kind of music. I'll be John Brown. Oh, Yes. Brother, you think for a half second we're going to listen to that kind of mess in the Pope home or we're going to watch a bunch of filth and immorality and lewdness in the Pope home? No, sir, we're not. Why? Because, brother, in good weather, we're going to guard and in bad weather, we're going to guard and during the good times, we're going to guard and during the bad times, we're going to guard. Why? Because I want our hearts to be good hearts. I want our ground to be good ground. Why? So when the seed falls on the good ground, it can grow and bear fruit. Yes, Jesus, thank you so much. Understand it. Guard it. But how about this last one? You say, preacher, how can I have the right kind of heart where that seed can fall on it and grow and I can live that victorious Christian life? Why aren't we having a good time today? Amen. How about this, this last thing? Give the heart. Proverbs 23. Can you turn there one, one, last, one last place? Proverbs 23. Some of you are listening good. I appreciate it. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 26. Notice what 
The writer of Proverbs tells us here, Proverbs 23 and verse number 26, my son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Give me thine heart. The psalmist said in Psalm 9-1, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. In Psalm 111, verse 1, the psalmist said, Praise you, the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. How many of you, how many of you here this morning are organ donors? Any organ donors? A lot of you. I am. I'm an organ donor. If something ever happens to me and they can use something I've got, I want them to. But think about this this morning. If you're an organ donor and they come to get your heart, they don't want to take a little piece of it. They don't want to take it all. A good friend of mine, it's been, been a long time ago now, it's been good night, probably at least 20 years, maybe more than that. Lives down here in Harmony. He was on his way to Winston-Salem and, and, uh, and all of a sudden, Tightness in his chest, pulled over on the side of the interstate there on I-40, and man, had a massive heart attack right on the side of the interstate. He was an older, older fellow. He's quite a bit older than I am. He's an older guy. I think finally the highway patrol came and pulled him behind him, and they surmised what was going on, and they called the EMS, and they put him in an ambulance and rushed him to Baptist Hospital. He had had a major, major heart attack. His heart was... He was was hanging between life and death. Right about that same time that he had that heart attack, there was a teenage boy that was killed in a car accident. And his family said, we want something good to come out of this. So they took that young man and they opened up his chest and they took his heart out, the heart of a teenage boy. And this guy I'm talking about at the time was probably well into his upper 50s and they took this heart out of this teenage boy, young man, vibrant, healthy. They took his heart out and they put his heart in the heart of my friend. He's been living now for many years. He's got a teenage heart in his, in his body. Now, this is my point this morning. It wouldn't have done my friend any good if when he needed a heart transplant, if they would have said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll give you one little corner. And you can take this one little corner. He didn't need a corner. He needed the whole whole heart. (laughs) And so many Christians, preacher, I don't understand why am I not growing? I'll tell you why. Because you've told Jesus, I'll give you one little corner. Here you go. (laughs) All to Jesus I surrender. Here, here, Jesus. Here's one little, uh, here's one little, one little shaving. And Jesus said, "I don't want a shaving. I want the whole thing." And church, if we're going to grow, if our heart's going to be good and honest, and we're going to have that good ground where that seed, boy, in the Bible, amazing preacher. We're going to have to give it all. It was David Livingston. David Livingston was a missionary in Africa. They said when they found David Livingston, when they found his body, he had 22 different diseases in his body. 
malaria, all those different kind of jungle sicknesses they have. When they found David Livingston's body, his arm had been mauled by a lion and he was not able to use that arm for a long time. It just sort of hung by his side. But they said about David Livingston that he would not stop. His wife died early in ministry, but he would not stop. It's said about David Livingston that he walked, he walked 29,000 miles. And they said this. He penned these words in his diary. This is what David Livingston said, sent, talking to the Lord. He said, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. Sever me from any tie but the tie that binds me to your service and to your heart. What a great missionary. They came to take David. He was a very honored person and they came to get David Livingston's body when they figured out he had died and they were gonna take him back and bury him in Westminster Abbey. As they began to make preparations to do that, the natives said, you can't take him. You can't take him. And they said, we must. That's our orders. We've got to take his body back. And they said, you can't take him. They said, his heart was here. His heart was in Africa. They said, then at least do this. Give us his heart. In some deep, dark, remote jungle in Africa, they did a surgery on a dead body, David Livingston. They took his heart out and they buried it in the soil of Africa. And they took his body back. You know why he'd given his heart? And if we're going to be the Christians that we ought to be and grow, 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 we're going to have to give our heart too. Man, y'all feel the Lord working right now? Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for speaking to my heart. God, I want to have that good ground. I want my heart to be an honest and a good heart. I want that seed to be able to fall there and grow. God, I want to, I want to spring up and increase. I don't want to become complacent and satisfied and go in the other direction. And God, I pray that you'll give us some Christians at Calvary Baptist Church who will say, Lord, help me to have that good ground. God, help me to have a, a good and honest heart. Now our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and the altar's filled. I wonder, you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I'm saved and going to heaven when I die. And if you're like that this morning, would you do this? Would you at least let me pray for you today? You'd say, Pastor, pray for me. If I died, I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up right now. Is there one anywhere? I could pray for you right now. Would you raise your hand? All right, I see that little hand. Is there another anywhere? Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Anybody? Raise it real high. All right, I ask you a question. Where are you right now in your Christian growth? Saved? As far as I can tell, everybody here today, pretty much, everybody's born again. Are you growing? If you're not growing... According to scripture, there's a heart issue somewhere. Would you do me a favor? Let's all stand all over the house today, Father. Help us to have a good and honest heart. Now, it's going to take some work because we understand that this heart is 
deceitful and desperately wicked. God, give us some people today who will guard the heart. Give us some folks today who will give the heart. And say, God, I'm going to give it to you unreservedly. Father, have thy way. Bless this invitation. I, I really believe you've spoken to some hearts today. God, I pray you'll do a work that'll not be soon taken back. I pray you change a family today, change a home forever today, change a marriage forever today. Somebody, somebody right now struggling with a stronghold in their life. They know what it is. They're struggling with a stronghold. Father, today, help them to say, I'm going to guard my heart. I'm not going to let that stuff in there anymore. I'm going to guard my heart. God, please have your way in this invitation. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Listen, altar's full. If you need to come, the altar's open. Why don't you come? Hey, young person, how about you? Why don't you come? Are you growing? Hey, Dad, are you the spiritual leader of that home? Are you leading that home? Are you leading that home toward Jesus? Are you leading that home away from Jesus? Spiritual leader. Would be a good day for some daddies to find an altar and say, Lord, help me to go home and be the spiritual leader of my home. Be a good day for some teenagers, some young people to say, Lord, for too long I've been giving you a little sliver of my heart today. I'm giving it all. I'm giving it all.